I could ask my friends to come up, Jan, Jean, and Michael, Amber, Brad, and Christy, y'all come on up. As uh, they are making their way up here, I wanted to uh, take an opportunity to introduce you to what I believe to be the six most courageous people in our church this morning. Um, Just from my right to left, this is Brad and Christy Hodge, Michael and Amber Park, and Jan and Jean Williamson. Most of you know these folks, but I wanted to make sure everybody knew who was talking to you. Um, They're brave because they're up here, for one, looking out at the group of people that are gathered, but they're also uh, brave because they have willingly agreed to pull back the curtain of their life and let you to see inside uh, some of the things that have been significant to them uh, in their marriage, and, and uh, this is an important time for us as a family. We've been talking about it for eight weeks now. This is week nine of our marriage series, and so there's a lot of principles that we've walked through together. It's kind of the lecture portion of our course. This is the lab where these principles have been put to the test and God has been found faithful. And I want you to hear that story. As you listen, I want to ask you to do two things. One is give them your full and undivided attention. Look them in the eyes. Let them know that you're listening and that what they have to say is important. The other thing I want to ask you to do is give them grace. Uh, This is not easy to do what they're doing this morning. Uh, This is a gift. You are being given a very precious gift. And I want to ask you to handle it with tenderness and care. Reminds me, whenever we first got married, Terry and I uh, received all that nice china and and crystal that you get, right? And so not too long after we'd been married, we thought we'd have a special meal and sit down and have a dinner together there at the house and pull out all that fun stuff. And so we had a nice meal together and we didn't have a dishwasher at the time, but we would have washed everything by hand anyway. So we're in the kitchen washing everything by hand. And I grabbed one of those crystal glasses and went to working on it and <laughs> broke it right in half. Because <laughs> I didn't realize how delicate that stuff is. And I learned my lesson. Um, this morning, you are being given a very precious gift, and it's delicate. And in the same way, I would ask that you handle it with care. Let them know how much you appreciate the gift that they're giving you this morning and as you listen to their story i want you to listen for your story because it's our story that they're telling it's a story of transformation it's the story of god's power and his redemptive work in our lives when we allow him in and let him have his way this is the gospel told by these people who are expressing faith in jesus christ There are issues in all of our lives that we deal with because of sin. But God's power through the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ has the power to make all things new. It is a redemptive work that exists in the life of every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. The question is, do you trust Him? Are you willing to let Him in? And have access to all things to make all things new. And they're going to tell you their story this morning of what that looks like in their life based on what we've been talking about the last eight weeks or so. Um, So you guys are set. I'll let you guys start, Brad. Is that on? I'm assuming so. 
looking back over over Todd's notes over the last eight weeks, uh, we tried to pull out some things, and and I, I just want to uh, start with just a few passages. Um, better. I wanted to start with a few passages Uh, in Ephesians five. Paul compares marriage to Christ in the church. He basically is telling husbands to love, love their wives like Christ loved the church. But to me, that's comparing the the. uh, Marriage to Christ in the church in Romans five, we see that Christ loved and died for us even when we were at our very worst. So there we're seeing how much God loved us, even when we were not lovable. And then in Matthew 19, Jesus, uh, Jesus, in talking to the Pharisees, talked about um, uh, when they were asking about divorce. Jesus, Jesus basically permitted divorce in the case of immorality. Was divorce then a command that Jesus was giving? As Paul would say, may it never be. Matthew 19.8 specifically says, He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce. What I'm here to tell you is when we allow the Spirit to keep our hearts soft so that He can act, amazing, amazing things can happen. Um, we know this because in our, in our 20 year, 21 years of marriage, We've been through infidelity of thought, infidelity of heart, and physical infidelity. We've seen what sin has to offer, and God still has us standing married before you here today. I'm good. Thanks. From childhood through the first several years of marriage, I did not control my thought life at all. I did not protect the one that God gave me to responsibility for and definitely did not treat her as a priceless and fragile vessel. I remember in the first several years of marriage wanting to know what it meant to lead my family, my wife specifically, spiritually. I had talks with Byron. I had talks with Roger. I had talks with several others. But my ears were closed. We also went to several marriage conferences and marriage retreats, uh, many of whom were led, led by godly people, even some of those in our body. My desire was to know more. I really did want to know more and more about how to be a man of God and how to lead my family. But my ears were closed. And they continued to stay closed until God tore through my outer layer and made a small opening in my heart. That was all it took. It was then that I was able to give myself more freely to him. And only then that I started to understand what marriage and love were all about. Um, As Brad already said, we'll, we'll celebrate 21 years this summer, which truly is a miracle. Um, I remember our wedding day being the most fun day of my life. Um, it wasn't stressful or chaotic, any of that. I just remember it being fun, so much fun. And um, But Todd shared a few weeks ago just about his own marriage. Um, it's really frightening how quickly 
all that excitement and love and magic that you feel can be gone, can just vanish. Um, there was a point early in our marriage, I would say our marriage was, uh, it was very self-centered based on what I felt or what I was getting out of it. Um, and there came a point where I didn't feel um, loved by Brad and I didn't feel love for him. And so um, my love was just a reaction to what he was doing. It wasn't unconditional. It was conditional. And because it was, um, I turned to other things that would make me feel love. Um, And just like Eve, I sought to be satisfied outside of the boundaries that God had set up for me. And I remember sitting with a group of friends at a Bible study and just saying, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. Um, And I didn't really care. I I don't know why I told them, because it wasn't going to make any difference. Um, And I was just in such a dark place and um, really such a depressed place that to be out in the light, (laughs) it was painful, you know, like a vampire. Like you just get burned if you put your hand out there in the sun. And so I just stayed away from it. I didn't want anything to do with it. And my heart was as hard as a stone. And um, I told those girls that I didn't want to be in the marriage anymore, and I didn't, sure didn't want to pray about it with them. And uh, one of those friends said, I'll do it. I will stand in the gap for you, and I will pray for you. Um, that wasn't the turning point, though. It did get worse before it got better. And there finally came a point where I just realized how utterly alone I was and was in just such a pit, and Jesus said, I am all you have. I am all you've got. And at that point, I knew that that was true. He was all that I had. And I needed him more than anything else. And it was a very um, just physical experience. It was like a waterfall, just standing under this waterfall of grace and love being poured down on me. Um, and it was, it wasn't just physical, it was, of course, very emotional, and it wasn't pretty at all. (laughs) But what came out, um, were, was a clean heart for me. I think, you know, clean, started clean heart for Brad, and, um, just transformed our marriage. And I have no idea why God chose to do that to me. Um, I guess, like Todd said, I had to surrender a little bit. I don't feel like I did very much. But I guess I reached up a little bit out of that pit and allowed myself to be transformed. Um, Todd quoted from Ezekiel last week, and this just hit home so much. Um, And I've never read Ezekiel, so this was new to me. Um, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone, remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh And then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And that's what happened. The Spirit of God just took my heart of stone and softened it and made room for redemption um, with my marriage, with my relationship with God, and in friendships that I had hurt, too. And something that was interesting, I As I was reading Ezekiel last night, I didn't know this, but when my friend said, "Um, I will stand in the gap for you, that's in Ezekiel also. Um, In Ezekiel chapter 22, it says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall, 
and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it. But I found no one. So I'm so thankful that I had one person out there standing in that gap for me. And so um, does that mean that all of a sudden all the magic and the love and the excitement was back? Was it just there again overnight? No, of course not. It, if, if all that grace and love pouring on me was like a waterfall, after that it was like, like waterboarding or like Chinese water torture. It was, <laughs> it was painful. The work was very painful and it was hard. Um, but um, it, just hard work between Brad and me and with the counselor. And with the Lord, um, but that pain was so worth the marriage that we have now and the family we have now. And um, just looking forward to celebrating 21 years coming up. Um, and so does that mean that we just spend our evenings holding hands and gazing into each other's eyes? <laughs> and the kids clean up the kitchen for us? <laughs> no, no, we have a very real marriage and we still have ups and downs. And we have these periods where we get into a funk and it seems like all we talk about is our schedules or what we need at the store. Um, but then there's periods where we have a lot of fun, too, and we work well together and we communicate well together. And um, Brad Hodge may sometimes use his um, gift of humor a bit inappropriately at times, but... <laughs> But he loves people that I don't want to love, and his love is self-sacrificing. And he might not hobnob with the CEO or the president of the company, but he always says hi to the housekeepers, and he knows a lot of the maintenance people by name. And he may get really, really passionate about something and put all of his energy and all of his time into it for a few weeks or a few months and we jokingly call that Brad's fads, and Brad has been through a lot of fads in our marriage. <laughs> but deep down, he is the most loyal man that I've ever known um, as an employee and as a friend and as a husband. And that something better, Todd mentioned this before, that something better that I thought I could find was the person that I already had. And so... Um, the love that I so wanted to feel and the value that I wanted to have only came from being grounded in God's love and letting Christ work in my heart and letting him fill those needs, not looking to Brad to fill those needs. And I wish that um, if, if I know there's people hurting out there, and I wish I could tell you, like, three easy steps. You know, this is one, two, three, this is it. You know, like, if you want to... If you want to lose weight, just eat less and exercise more. And it's that easy, right? It's not that easy. I wish I could tell you something. But, um, again, it's what Todd said. Are you going to give your heart to God and let him do the work? And so um, uh, Psalm 57, David says, um, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You would not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. And it's that broken heart that you need to give to the Lord. And 
nothing that you do, no steps or marriage seminars, any will of your own um, is going to change it. And then also I just want to close with um, some words of Paul in First Timothy, which I love, which I think just sums up our lives and our marriage. Um, in First Timothy, Paul writes, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And now to the king, immortal, invisible, eternal, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God for them. <laughs> I'm Michael. This is my wife, Amber. And uh, we've been married for seven years now. And we've got a six-year-old, a two- and a one-year-old. And we are loving life right now. <laughs> so Todd talked um, last week about his fear of heights. Well, I have a fear of speaking in front of people. Um, And so when we were talking about doing this, I put a fleece like Gideon out to the Lord. And I said, you know, if if all of our kids are well, then I know we're supposed to do this. (laughs) And if you know anything about our kids lately, they've been sick since October. And Michael was like, well, that's not a very fair fleece. And I was like, well, it's going to take a miracle for me to feel like we're supposed to do this. Our kids are all well. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Um, Amber and I, when we were young, we went to this church and grew up knowing each other. We got married um, after we had known each other for a a long time. But we hadn't dated for very long before we were just sure that we were going to get married. Um, We were engaged for about a year, got married, and about three months later, we're pregnant with uh, Zeke. And so that was that was great, and we were we were really excited about that. Um, Didn't know what we were doing, had no idea. We hadn't even figured out marriage, and now we were going to be parents. And so that was that was interesting. It was also a very uh, rough pregnancy. Uh, Amber was was ill and and ended up with preeclampsia, and <clears throat> Zeke was a little early, and so it was it was it was a rough go. And on top of all that, I was working like crazy all the time, and so that that definitely didn't make things easier on her, and. <clears throat> When we had Zeke, I was I was still working. I was I had ambitions to become 
uh, a firefighter here in Lubbock, and that takes a lot of school and time and effort. And so that's that's basically what I put my focus into. And so they're building up. Basically, what I'm trying to get you to understand is there was there was a foundation issue, and there were a lot of things that we didn't communicate during that time, and we didn't know that we weren't communicating them. So um, here I am with this idea of what family should look like, and I have a new baby, and my husband is working all the time or at school or studying or working out to be in, you know, best physical, mental, everything shape. And, um, you know, he's providing for us and he's got plans for us, but I didn't have a connection with him anymore. And I had this new baby that I just didn't understand. And um, as someone who likes to take control and I can figure it out. Um, I couldn't. I didn't have a clue. I was lost and alone. It's how I felt. I didn't realize that, um, you know, my true love, my constant, that I had given him the back seat because I had put this relationship and this understanding of what family and love and marriage um, should look like as my focus. And when those things didn't make sense the way that I had expected them to, I was lost. Um, and I couldn't reach out because I didn't know how. I never had. And instead of turning back to my first and true love, the Lord, I um, reached out to friends, great friends. Well, we had fun. We um, would go out and party. And, you know, I didn't rebel as a teenager. I rebelled as a wife and a mom. Um, so I would go out and I would, when Michael would come home from, you know, work and then school, I would start a fight with him so that I could have an excuse to leave. And then I'd come home, you know, way after he'd gone to bed. And, and that was life. For a long time, um, I finally got to a point where I didn't want to do this anymore. And what this was was the life I was living. I didn't want to live anymore. That uh, That's a place that, that many people end up at. And during that time, it was it was earth shattering. We didn't I didn't know what to do. Uh, it it probably <clears throat> wasn't until that point that I I finally reached out for help. I didn't I didn't know what to do, where to go from there. Uh, fortunately, and as you know, that's not where the story ends and uh, praise God for that because we serve a mighty God and one who is faithful to heal all wounds all hurts 
and we uh, <clears throat> we went to a place of <clears throat> commitment to one another, and that's that's what it took. It took not feeling love for one another, but committing to love one another, and it took sacrifice and hurt and pain and it took work Uh, and I'm just I am so thankful for what God was able to do in our lives and the marriage that we have now is completely rebuilt it is it is built on a rock and that rock it's not moving and yeah very very thankful and and that's one thing that we'd really like to highlight is that you know we didn't it wasn't like you know a wall that's got all these nails like driven into it we just patched up those nails it was completely rebuilt this is a new creation um because you know the ugliness, the anger, the frustration, the depression, all of that, it it really should have ended us. I expected it to. Um, but Michael was faithful in his commitment to our relationship. Even when I was telling him, I hate you. I, I don't want to do this. Michael chose to be faithful to our commitment He chose to be faithful to the Lord, and he chose to be faithful to me. Even though I was like the the prodigal son, you know, just I had squandered this beautiful, wonderful gift. And instead of, you know, him wanting me to, like, claw and fight my way back, you know, the prodigal son, he was, he just wanted to eat the breadcrumbs from his father's table, you know, that, that the servants even do as, you know, better than where he was. He was eating with the pigs. Um, And so Michael never did that, like never expected, never threw things in my face, never. It was new. We started from that day and moved forward as if none of the past had happened. Um, So, yeah. It did take rebuilding, and it wasn't as they said, an overnight thing. Um, but it is a great picture as as uh, we've been taught that marriage is ordained uh, with redemption in mind. And there is great freedom in surrendering to that. Um, there are a few, a few things you want to... Well, one of the things that Todd said was um, give God the room to do the impossible because he is really good at that. Amen. (laughs) He really is. Um, Honestly, this was an impossible place. And here we are. You know, we've had two kids since then. And we've our family's gone through deep tragedies. um, And we've come through all of it together. Going to the Lord together, um, encouraging each other, 
together. Everything has been together. There's been no separation anymore. Um, that loneliness that I felt, I'm complete in the Lord. And I have an incredible partner. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, it's just that security, um, which is something that I think we all desire. Um, I think as as we all talk, you're going to hear a lot of the same principles and even the same verses. Uh, and there's reason for that. <clears throat> and as as cliches and, you know, sayings come along, they do because they're reason. And they're, they're often truth to that, right? Um, one of the verses I, I chose to read was uh, Psalms uh, 51. It was out of Psalm 51. And uh, just there, there's so this is just one of my favorite psalms. It says, "Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice." And that just to me is a great illustration of uh, trusting God. It says, "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise." And that that's a, a great picture of the love of God. Another thing that um, Todd said was never underestimate the power of redemption. And it's it's so true. I mean, as we've been preparing for this, I've been um, just, I've had to really like struggle to think back to that time because I'm a new creation. Not only is our marriage a new creation, but I am. And so I had to, to work really hard to, Remember what all of that was like, that ugh, ugly, manipulative, angry, lonely time. Um, and that's the power of redemption, is that it's not, it's a memory I have to access. <laughs> you know, I, it's not just constantly plaguing me a little bit here and there. Um, I'm not, like, consumed by guilt, which for me is a pretty impressive thing, I <laughs> Guilt is an easy place for me to go, but on this, it's it's gone, it's done, and um, thank God for that. Um, I also will be referencing the uh, same verse, uh, Ezekiel eleven nineteen through twenty, and I'm going to go ahead and read it again. Um, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone or remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. I mean, I don't need to say more than that. You know, it's it's true. That heart of stone is gone. There is a heart that beats and loves and would love to love all of you, you know, to share your stories, to share my story, to be a part of your lives. And it, it beats for Michael Park. Park, I just, I love this man. I'm thankful for this man. And I'm so excited, you know, what Todd was saying about how we can um, not see the flaws in our partner, you know, and, and the things that we want to change. But golly, like, I just get to encourage him and um, challenge him and I, I'd probably do my fair share of that um, but um, 
but it's a gift to share my life with this person, to have him encourage and challenge me. Um, so I'm so thankful for the heart of flesh that replaced the heart of stone. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And it is by grace that our marriage was saved. And I praise God for that. Um, and then Ephesians five twenty five through 27 is, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And even before we started this marriage series, I've talked with some people who've you know, been struggling and, um, or, or just sharing with a new friend. Um, just the, the work that the Lord has done in my life. And um, these verses ring true um, as I think about, you know, God honored Michael's faithfulness to our covenant by showing me the beauty and truth of grace, that deep, undeserved selflessness, that love that Michael demonstrated, and the realness of the gospel that he, you know, showed as he loved me. Um, Just as Christ loved the church, Michael Park loved me. As human and flawed and just normal of a person as he may be, like he, he, he exemplified, he exemplified grace um, and really made the story that I've known my, almost my whole life, you know, that Christ died for us and um, that we're new. But Michael loving me made that picture so real in such an incredible way, um, in a very physical, tangible this man loves me, even though I said I hate you, even though I, I started fights to leave, you know, and I left. I mean, he, he loved me, and that's a powerful, powerful thing. And so when I came back to the Lord, it was through my very human husband showing me that I deserved to be loved. A man loved me. How much more does God, you know, the creator of all things, how much more powerful is that love? It's amazing. Uh, just a, <clears throat> a few things that we'd like to highlight. Um, operating outside the design, questioning God, consumed with self-interest, are things that during that time, during the, that Years ago, during that time, it was, uh, that's what got us there. And I think that we can all look in our lives and, and, and see areas where we are self-interest. It, it's just, that consumes us. And, and those are warning signs. And, and you know, communication, I, I'm not always great at communicating or even wanting to communicate. And that was something that that uh, that we've gotten so much better at. And uh, uh, during that time, trust, trusting God was uh, was huge. And just the freedom 
that once you decide to trust God, the freedom that comes with that is uh, paramount. Uh, created from and for fellowship, man. Not only, not only does that speak to the testament of community and what that means during a time like that, but just what it's meant to us since then, and to be fully known and fully loved by my partner here. Um, just that that's life life changing and uh to 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 really grasp that is huge. Yeah, there there's an extreme um obvious difference. Uh you know, before Michael was working full time and um going to school and studying and working out and I was at home with um, one baby and overwhelmed. Now Michael is working more than full-time um, studying for his driver's exam um, and, you know, working out and doing jiu-jitsu. And I'm at home with three babies. <laughs> but I see my role so much different. Before, I was looking to him for um, to make me make sense to give me purpose, to, you know, it, I was self-seeking in my love for him. Um, I wanted love from him, and I wasn't so good at offering love to him. Um, now, I am fully loved in the Lord. I know Michael loves me, and I can encourage him. I, we can move things around so that he can do the things that he needs to do or that he wants to do, you know. He... He works a lot. Like he, he, he deserves to get to do things without feeling guilt about them. Guilt was a tool that I used um, at him uh, when we were having our hard time. And now I'm just like, yes, I'm glad you get to go do that. Do that. Go. Um, so I, I can be the helpmate that God wants me to be for my husband. Um, and... Um, I'm, I'm able to encourage him and challenge him in the way that the Lord desires for our marriage. Um, and, and in that same way, he does the same for me, encourages me and um, challenges me. For instance, speaking here today, um, Todd sent Michael an email and um, asked him, you know, if we might be interested in speaking. And this was a couple of months ago. And um, anyway, Michael wasn't even going to bring it up to me <laughs> unless it became very clear that he should. Well, we went on a, tr- a road trip together. Normally, we're both silent road trippers. We're pretty boring. <laughs> um, but we just started talking, and I, I talked about, you know, I kind of feel like what we went through, we should be using not as ministry because I didn't want to do that, but as an opportunity to minister um, I know that we're not unique in our story. I know that depression isn't isolated just to us, and I know that where it went isn't isolated just to us. And so I, I was just talking through that, and um, anyway, and he said, well, you know, Todd brought this up, and, you know, my first thought was, no, <laughs> no, okay, I'll pray. <laughs> and um, anyway, and and so we prayed, and, and then we thought it was 
three weeks ago that we were going to be speaking, and we hadn't really talked about it. And so Michael springs it on me again, and I'm like, oh, pressure. Okay, fine, we'll do it. But then we actually weren't doing it that Sunday. We had three more weeks to prepare our hearts. And um, anyway, but all those things were just just Michael Park knowing what matters to me, like how to love me, how to hear my heart, how to, you know, embrace me in the way that I need to be loved. You know, y'all don't know me. You might come up to me a week before and say, hey, you want to go do this? And I'm, no, why would you ask me? You don't know me at all, you know. But he does. And that is really, really cool for all my quirks and needs and everything. This man loves me and speaks my love language fluently. I'm glad your police was dry this morning. Well, it'll be hard. Well, good morning, people. It's a privilege to be in our place of worship this morning. It's a great privilege. But more than that, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to us to be part of this great congregation. We'll talk about some of you later on. I'm Jan. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm Jan, and you're Jean. Thank Thank you. When we first came, everybody got our names mixed up, and they called me Jean half the time and called him Jan half the time. But I really am Jan. I considered it a compliment that they called me Jan. <laughs> well, when we woke up this morning, the first thing you said was, remember you're Jean. No. <laughs> I... <laughs> I have these moments, and I'm serious now, I do have these moments, and I hope the days that I forget your name, that you'll be patient with me. But I said, do you know what today is? And I said, well, we're going to speak at church today, I think. Is this the right day? Yes, but did you really remember what today is? Well, it's not my birthday. (laughs) It's not your birthday, I'm sure. So it must be something else. It's, I got it. It's an anniversary, not of our marriage. Fifty-six years ago today, I said to her, will you marry me? Oh, 56 years ago. <laughs> and, and what did you say? I said it took you long enough. Oh, <laughs> Two whole weeks. Now, we'd known each other longer than that, but he sure messed around a long time. (laughs) Well, you said yes. And so uh, we started telling people, we're going to get married. And our biggest trials came right then. Well... The girls' counselor, where we were teaching, brought us in and said, well, brought me in and said, this will never work. said, your backgrounds are not similar, so it won't last. I was a farm boy, moved to town, 
had seven brothers and sisters. And I lived in town, and I was an only child and a spoiled brat. (laughs) But as you see, I think it lasted. We showed them. But very seriously, it did bother both of us quite a lot. In fact, one Saturday night when I was home here in Lubbock, her father called me from Abilene. In the middle of the night. And said, are you sure you want to marry my daughter? And I said, I certainly do. But he didn't want us to continue with those thoughts, mainly because her mother opposed. And her mother said just what we said. He's a farm boy. He's got a bunch of brothers and sisters. And besides that, he doesn't have enough money. You ought to marry a rich man. She said it. Yes. But he was rich in other things. He was a good man. He, we were both believers. We, we had the same interest. We both taught school. We both loved sports. What else? (laughs) When you say we taught school, I see some people out there that I taught, and I know there are two here that you taught. I know there's more than that that I taught. So, and but we had the same interest. We can you imagine? We talked all the time. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. Right away, we had a problem because I didn't communicate well. Now, I'm talking about after, after our marriage ceremony. Being in a house of seven brothers and sisters and two kids, the thing I wanted most was to go where it was quiet. (laughs) And I often took a book and went as far down the house from everybody else as I could get and closed the door and read or just thought about things. And Jan did have a problem. One of the things she taught me was how to communicate, how to talk over problems, or just have talk over what happened today. Can well, you can you imagine that she <laughs> wanted me to talk? <laughs> we what? <laughs> Were you fixing to say something? No, let's talk about our children. Okay, we'll talk about our children. No, uh, he didn't want to talk, and we we had parents that fought all the time. I mean, literally fought. They threw things and cussed each other and everything else, and we said we weren't going to do that. So we're going to sit down and talk it over. He was afraid that if he talked, we'd get in the fuss, but we didn't, and we haven't. We still don't. And can you believe, I think that was one of the most important foundations of our marriage, the background we came from and the determination to do something different. Okay, we got married and we had a son who had a mind of his own. Just like you. And we had a daughter that did everything right. Just like me. Just like me. <laughs> we went to other churches. We found one church we thought was just great when our kids were young, but everybody in the church decided that it was, uh, like you could do anything and it was all right. I mean, anything. 
One day at church, I said, there, our son, this lady had walked in and handed him a cookie. We were in a Sunday school room, I think, right after we'd finished teaching our class. She, she said uh, something about, can I give him a cookie? And I said, of course he can eat a cookie. When he finished, I said, Ron, what do you say? And she says, oh, he doesn't have to say thank you. And I said, yes, he does. <laughs> he said thank you real quick. <laughs> Another time, our daughter came home from a party, a birthday party. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah. And I said, did you have a nice time? And she says, no, I didn't. And I said, did you tell them you had a nice time? No, I didn't. And so I said, you go back around there and you tell them you had a nice time. But, Mama, I didn't have a nice time. <laughs> but she went back. Anyway, in this church, anything went. I mean, anything from being nice to somebody or not. We're old, aren't we? Yeah, we believe elderly. Elderly. That's what Todd called us. Elderly. <laughs> but it's my, okay, Todd. We know our place. But this week I read in Chronicles, Second Chronicles, that the ages are young. Ooh, I hate to call you old. That's what the no, Bible says. Middle. Middle. Mm-hmm. And aged. Aged. I like that word pretty well. Yeah. We got there anyway. Okay. We went to another church, and let's don't go into that, but it, it was more like a social club, and we didn't know anybody. And so... One day we were out in the backyard picking up apricots with Leanne Evans and Cindy Webb. And they said, where are y'all going to church now? And we said, well, we're not real happy. So they said, well, come try our church. And it was Melanie Park. We walked in here, and I want y'all to know we never left. This is it. We could tell you forever and make an advertisement on television that this is the greatest church, the greatest church family that ever was. And if you don't believe me, just come ask me some more. (laughs) Well, we felt the presence of God in this church more than we ever had anywhere we'd ever been. And uh, we had gone to church with our daughter down in Decatur, Texas, and we felt a, a real family feeling. It was called a community church. And we felt it was a church of, of friendship, of love for each other. So when we came in here, we knew right away this was a very similar church. We felt the love of God in each one of you, but we felt the love for each other. That was the main thing. Well, we, uh, we, have, we have had our trials, and we've made, made it through there. We had, uh, first, I had cancer, and we weren't afraid. I think he was more afraid for me than I was for me, and he, we just said, okay, what can we do? Let's get fixed. We're through with this now. And Two years later, I had cancer. He, he didn't want me to outdo him. <laughs> And that night that my surgery was performed, it uh, started at 6 o'clock in the evening. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, I never felt so much love in my life. 
we had uh, probably 12 different couples from this church that came up there, prayed with us, wrapped their arms around us, and, and my daughter and I were up there, and we did not feel alone, and we felt like we could just take anything, and we did. And for three weeks after his surgery, I didn't cook a meal. Hoopty do. <laughs> That's right. I'm not a good cook. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not. I knew if we did this this way, sooner or later I'd stick my foot in my mouth. <laughs> do we have a podiatrist in the audience? I don't like to cook, but I could sew. Okay. So, after chemo for 13 months and all this stuff, well, we um, we lost our son. He had a staph infection that went all over his body, and they couldn't get rid of him. They treated him for 13 months, and I always said I could not handle it if I lost one of my children, and I'm sure most of y'all have said that too, but it hit us. I called Nita Lowry. She called. Jan Wood, she was the first one. Jan Clark was her first ones there. All of a sudden, the house was full, and most of it was full with all of you. And prayers and standing up with us, and we just, we can't say enough about this church. Besides standing by us when we had trials and everything, we don't have any grandchildren, and we have a wonderful daughter that didn't have children, but she has always been our savior, our rock, and she stays right by us all the time. But we have children in this church, and we have grandchildren in this church. Adopted. Adopted. Well, I, I feel like that. And we're closer to them than we are to a lot of our family. <laughs> here, look here. The entire Sanders family showed up this morning right here for us. And there's the Whitakers right there. And there are others I could name all of you that we consider our children, our family, Christy's kids, Christy's and Brad's kids, all six of them. <laughs> But y'all have no idea how much we love you and, and how much love has been given to us to pull through hard times. Well, we're getting late. And I know. I think there, it's time for us Clark to wrap wants this to go up. Eat. I think what we've tried to say this morning that it took us a while to really solidify our faith in God, and it took people around us who showed love not just to God, but to each other as a church family. Todd said recently there is no perfect spouse. Oh, what? What? <laughs> After church that day, we walked out towards the parking lot, and one of these men said to me, One well, of my, these men said to him, My wife may not be perfect, but she certainly comes as close to perfect as a spouse could be. Now are you going to cry, Nick? <laughs> I think that that is something all of us should consider, not just the men, but the women too. 
My wife never tried to make me over. She tried to build on what I was. And I think that's another thing that Todd has told us during the last few weeks, that we look at each other and think, not what could you be, but what are you? Now I want to share with you a word from where? Is this from Chronicles? Corinthians, no, it's from... And it's 12 o'clock. Okay. (laughs) We found in Corinthians... It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love always trusts, hopes, and preserves. No, perseveres. Perseveres. Oh, okay, I said preserves, didn't I? Yes. I had it written that way. I knew better. Perseveres. Love never fails. Love does not boast. Envy is not rude. Is not easily angered. Is not self-centered. And love does not delight in evil. Now, Nick, I hope I don't cry when I say this. (laughs) Many people our age have decided they need to renew their vows. And we've been to some of those places, and they're great. We loved it. But we talked on the way back one day from one of those. And Jan says, why should we renew our vows? We never broke the ones that we made in 1957. I think that typifies our marriage. Then another thing is, well, I'll just read this for you. This is a poem from a a wonderful lady down in Decatur, Texas. Some of you have one of her uh, Bible study courses. Her name's Paula Rutherford. She sent this to us a few years back, and it's called Hold Your Fork. It may be a dinner, fancy or plain, but the message has been the same. For throughout our lives, we've often been told, your fork, you've got to hold. You've had a salad, a main course or two, but the grand finale is waiting for you. With God, the same is true, for he has so much waiting for me and you. So, my friends, hold your fork till life is done, for the best is yet to come. As I expected, best Sunday of the series. Really do appreciate these guys. Um, quick closing thought. A few years ago, um, it's been a number of years ago, Christmas fell on a Sunday. And there were several congregations in the church uh, who had elected not to have uh, services that morning. We talked about it as a staff and as elders and uh, thought that might be a good idea just to allow families to, to be with each other on that day as a lot of people had relatives coming in. Uh, and so that was the decision we made. A few days later, we realized that was a bad decision. It was a bad decision because we underestimated the fact that for a lot of people, this is their family. And we took that away from them. As a reminder this morning, I want you to hear these stories and realize that there are two consistent themes that Jesus identified as the most important things in this life we live. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What we've seen this morning are testimonies of transformation as people have put their trust in the Lord 
and they leaned on one another who could help hold them to that which they knew was true. That's the, the ground in which these stories of redemption are cultivated. And so I just want to let this be a reminder to all of us this morning, both of the importance of our trust in God who can do all things and the importance of our love for one another and the way God uses that to restore us and make things new. So let's be committed. We're talking about renewing our vows. I think in some ways we need to renew our commitment as a family that that's the life we live together. And we're grateful for that. So let me pray for our time and thank you all again for what you did this morning. Let's pray. What a blessing this has been, as I expected. And I pray that for each and every one of us, as so has been articulated so well this morning, that what resounds as the most important truth of what we hear this morning is that our God is great and His power to redeem is limitless and that He is faithful even in our brokenness and He makes all things new to the praise and glory of the name of our God and Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in His name.